0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the Word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Word. I believe that tonight one of the things that the Lord wants to do is upgrade our ability to hear His voice in a greater way. So I'm just going to share just a couple thoughts on that. We're going to have a moment at the end where I believe the Holy Spirit is going to touch us, and it's going to change the way that you hear His voice. Even as uh, Brother Eagle River, Pastor Gil was talking, um, I I don't even know how to do the eagle sound myself either. I was going to try, but I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Uh, Just even talking, like being able to hear His voice in a very practical way. And, uh, and, and I hope to, to be able to deliver that if, if tonight is a horrible experience, just want to remind you, my name is pastor Daniel Bracken. Okay. (laughs) Just keep that in mind. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence and Lord, that you are a God that wants to communicate. So Lord, open our ears tonight to be able to hear, cause us to be more sensitive to your voice like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk about strength to hear, that we need power. We need to be strengthened in order to be able to hear the voice of God clearly. And um, I'm going to base my text tonight on 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm so grateful to Pastor Daniel, Pastor Karen, uh, for the opportunity that they've given me to be able to share. And I'll be joining them, I think, tomorrow at the Power Conference there in, uh, in, in, in Springfield, um, or Missouri. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, it's a well-known passage that we've probably read before, but it says, Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. Now, Amalekites have had a a bad history with Israel. When they were first coming out of Egypt, they were one of the first ones that confronted them. And according to some history, it's, they targeted the weak and the stragglers of the Israelites. And so there was, there's a lot of animosity here and they're coming and they're stealing basically what David and his mighty men have been able to, to conquer. I have a little map here just to show a little bit kind of where, where we're talking. It's the south part of Israel. And then he goes, And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because, of all the peop- because all the people were bitter insults. interesting just because it uses the same word back in 1 Samuel 22, verse two, to describe the men when they first come, the condition that they're in when they first come to David. These are the people that nobody wants, they're the ones that are indebted. Uh, they're, they're, nobody in culture or society wants them. And yet with David... And with the Lord and David, they become the mighty men. But they, it's like they've, they've come back to where they were before. There's this bitterness. And they're blaming David for what is happening as the leader. And they each for his sons and daughters. But David does something different. And there's a contrast between David and his men. His men go this path of bitterness. They're upset about what's happening. The same things happen to David. It's not like they took everybody's things except David's and He's sitting there with all the stuff and he's like, sorry, guys, I don't, I don't know why they didn't take my stuff and they took your stuff. But he, he's going through the same thing. Yet he, he takes, he, he changes the course. because It says here, but he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Man, this is such a big deal. This word here, strengthened, it, it, it's, it just means to, to grow or make strong or uh, prevail, have or show courage. To seize, to grasp—these are all like action words. It's to do something active, to keep hold of, to bind, to display strength. It's—it's it's, it's wanting to—to—to to, to do something. You, you're doing something here. He strengthens himself, not in even his own ability. It's not even in the fact that he—that he's good with with the sling. It's not with uh, that he's a good soldier on the battlefield. He strengthens himself, not even in his leadership ability or how smart he is, or even the calling that God has placed on his life. He strengthens himself in the Lord, his God. I, I just wanna just make a note here. You always find this in the Bible actually, that we're not, we're not called to fight the battle in our own strength. It doesn't mean that we don't do anything, that we're sitting passively on a couch watching TV and then like, you know, I'm, I'm doing spiritual warfare. Obviously there's a part where we're, we're participating with the Holy Spirit. But we're always called to be strong in the strength of the Lord and in his might, like Ephesians 6 says. It's, it's, it's his armor that he gives us. It's, it's his sword, which is the word, sort of the spirit, which is the word. It's, it's his stuff that he's giving us so that we can then stand against the enemy. And this is something that's so important. I think it's, it's, it's a key thing in our growth and maturity in Christ. Is to learn to do this for ourselves. There's not always gonna be somebody right there next to you every time you're going through a bad day. And you can throw little things on Facebook hoping that somebody, and it's so vague, and you want somebody to go, well, what, what is it that happened? You know, Tell them, give me the details. And, and you're like, well, nobody today asked that. Everybody ignored me today. Nobody's here answering this or, or wanting to, to find out. You have to learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord when nobody else is around. I think as Alaskans, you kind of know that. There's moments where you find yourself in a survival mode, and it's it's just you right out there. There's nobody else that can help you at that moment, and you got to learn to do that. It's part of growth. You are the the steward of your own heart. You will not be able to stand before Jesus on Judgment Day and say, well, I would have done better if my life group leader, if if the pastor... If they would have just simply answered me when I tried to call, nobody cared about what I was going through, and I I would have just been much better. And like, you think that Jesus on that day is going to go, oh, you know what? I never took that into consideration. You're right. Because in that day, you will have zero excuses. It's just going to be you and him. So we got to learn to do this, to strengthen ourselves when nobody else is around to be responsible. Like, yeah, I might be going through a horrible time and I might be facing something that is extremely difficult, but I'm responsible for where my heart is at. I'm responsible for joy, for for peace, for for faith, for being connected to the Holy Spirit, for for the promise. I mean, he's given me everything that I need. And I have to learn at some point to actually begin to put this into practice. I mean, it's good to obviously be connected and be able to call somebody and have somebody help you, but, but we got to learn to do this on our own. I think of it even as like, I see my children grow, you know, when they're, when they're smaller and I'm, 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 dressing them and having to change their diaper and I'm, I'm having to feed them and it's something where they're at as they're growing and maturing, it'd be a little bit weird when they're eight, 19 years old and 21 and I'm still doing the same thing. Something's wrong with this picture, you know? It's the same thing even as we grow in Christ. If we're looking to others to be okay, we've we've placed our focus in someone else other than than Jesus, and and, and we've made idols of other people. It's based on what Christ has done in his death and resurrection. And so I think David, he might start off with complaint, right? I mean, because he comes, and it's it's, it's a a difficult situation. There's nobody saying that. And nobody's saying either here that I'm just going to ignore everything that's happening. It's in the middle of that, that he learns, he does something here. He, he strengthens himself. And then in verse seven, it gets really interesting because David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Uh, so Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now, this is like a breastplate that, that the, the priest would wear. And it, and it had the, the stones and each one represented Israel. And it was just a way for him to be able to carry Israel, and as a way, it's just representative to be able to 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 pray and to intercede. And here, David is very interesting, because I think he's the only king that actually does this, where he gets the actual ephod to do this. And then in that, there's actually these these two stones that are the Urim and, and Thuman and what they would do is it's it's kind of like think of it, I don't know. So They're not completely, completely sure on how exactly this worked. But it's a way to be able to just speak to God. And they don't, they don't have the Holy Spirit like we do. So this is the way they kind of figure out, like, Lord, and they'd ask yes or no questions for the most part. And depending on how the stones would, would fall, it almost seems to me sometimes like it's like flipping a coin almost. But, but they, they would take that as, like, this is what the Lord is doing and leading us. Now, the last time something like this happens is in the book of Acts, when they find somebody to replace Judas. After that, you don't hear it anymore. So I think people are realizing, wait a minute, we got the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to us. We don't need to do this other stuff. So this is what David is doing. And, so, and David inquired. Now, th- this inquiring, obviously, there, there's an intensity behind this. So I just want you to get this picture. He comes to, to a traumatic event. He's doing what God has called him to do. He's anointed as king, and yet he's not sitting on the throne yet. He's got Saul after him, and and he's just just trying to survive just to make it. He's called by God, and and he comes to this, and he strengthens himself. There's this priest here, and he inquires of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? he's, He's wanting strategy on this. What do I do in this, Lord? I need you to speak to me. Ever find yourself in a place where it's like you're in the middle of a hurricane. you're just like, God, I, j- I just need you. What, do I go straight? Do I stay? Do I go right, left? What, 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 do, I, what do I do? And he answered him and, and says, pursue for you shall surely overtake and you shall surely rescue. There's a promise there that they're gonna get their family back, okay? So David set out. So he, he put this in practice, uh, like in action, right? Faith requires a response from us. So it's not just like, okay, that's great, God. I, now I know what you are saying. It's, it's like, I, I got to put this now into practice. So he sets out 600 men who were with him. They came to the brook of Bessor, which is a little bit south from where they're at, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind. They were too exhausted. And then just jumping to verse 18, David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing. I just want you to underline that if you have that in your Bible. Just nothing was missing. The enemy might have stolen stuff from you, but I promise you nothing is missing when you're following what God has for you. Whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken, David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, so he has more now than what he had before. And the people drove the livestock before him and said, this is David's spoil. Now, Now this is the question that I've had every time that I read this story because it seems to me like the story is out of order. It's like watching a movie and then the scene jumps and then it comes back to something like what's what's going on? Because this is my question. The priest was there the whole time. Why didn't he just ask the priest to start off with? I mean, you, you come and you find the enemy has stolen everything. Everybody's in distress. Everybody's freaked out. I was like, man, I really need a word from God. Where's the priest? Uh, hey, get, bring it right now. Hurry, because they want to stone me. Uh, they want to kill me. Uh, I, I need you to help me out of this mess right now. And, and it's like, there's an urgency, but, but he, he, he doesn't do that. He, he first strengthens himself in the Lord. Then he calls for the priest. And I, I think the reason for this is because when he's in the middle of the pain of all that loss, he can't hear what God has to say because he's more aware of his pain than God's presence. You can't hear anything else. Have you ever seen somebody that's going through a difficult situation and you're trying to help them? You're giving them wisdom. You're like, this will work, just do this and they can't receive it, what you're saying. It's like talking to a wall. They can't receive it because they're more focused and more aware of where they're at than where you're trying to lead them. So you need to help kind of pull them out of where they're at so that then they can finally listen and hear what you have to say. Some time ago, my son had been asking for uh, Legos. In fact, when I talked to him on the phone, Pretty much every day, it's like, so, uh, have you bought the any Legos for me? I'm just purely utilitarian for him. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just whatever I'm useful for him in that regard. And if not, then it's like, okay, well, you know, here's, here's my sister. You can talk to her. So there's one time where he's just like talking about these Legos that he wants, and he's just really into them, and he's talking to me. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, and I want to get these kind of Legos and all that. And I'm, I'm like, so we're, we're walking and talking at the same time. And as I'm walking, I, I hit my pinky toe against uh, the table and it really hurt. I don't know about you, but I feel like my body, it's like all my nerve endings are concentrated in my pinky toe. <laughs> I was in so much pain that I'm just like, I, I you know, you just feel like, like, I, I don't even know what to do. You know, there's a little tear going down my eye. Cause I'm like, I really hurt my toe. Now, my son is oblivious to all of this, right? So he's still asking about this Legos. So dad, you know, there's this one thing and all this, and then I'd like to get this other kind of Lego. He's just talking. I can't hear a word that he's saying because of the pinky toe. And I'm like, it's so much pain. In fact, I'm starting to get a little bit upset with my son and I'm starting to get kind of feelings like, son, you don't know how close you are. To, I mean, punishment, I don't know. I, I, anything's on the table right now. I'm like, I need you to please be quiet. <laughs> just take a step back from me for a moment and then we can continue talking. And so I just kind of, I kind of had to add, literally do that. I'm just like, son, just, just, could you give me one moment? I really, really hurt myself. And I just need to deal with this for right now. And then we can, I can hear anything that you have to say. And now man, we'll talk about all the Legos and everything that you want to do. But right now I just, I, I, I can only process this. I can't even hear anything that you're saying. So after a couple minutes and, and, and some intercession, then I was finally able to compose myself and be able to sit down and go, okay, now tell me all about these Legos and everything that you're wanting. This, this, is, this is exactly what's, what's happening with David. He is in such distress of heart that he can't hear anything that God would have to say. You know, our brains can only focus on one thing at a time. I know that we watch TV and we're on Facebook and Instagram and all these other things at the same time and trying to have a conversation at the same time. I'm just saying your brain, what it's doing is actually switching from one thing to another really quick. And it makes, gives you the impression that you're doing multiple things at the same time, but you're not, it's only one thing at a time. So when pain is the only thing that's consuming you or the problem that you're facing right now is the only thing that consumes you. That's the only thing you can see. That's the only thing you can hear. God is speaking to you, but you can't hear what he has to say because you're more aware of where you're at than where he's trying to lead you. And so I've seen people even even, even having to do with the prophetic and they want to receive this word. And so they, they have this insatiable desire. And, and a lot of times it's, it's not even necessarily, that's a bad thing. Like there's this one sister that, that all she wanted to do is be married. And so everything she wanted to hear had to do with that, that she was just so consumed with this. And so God wanted to speak. God will speak not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And so God's speaking to her what she needs to hear, but she can't receive it because all she can think of is this pain that she feels that it's not healed in the presence of the Lord. And so that's all she can do is just, is just hear this. So, so when this one person doesn't give the word that she wanted to hear, she wants to go to this other person, give me a word, having to do this? And then this other one. And then, and then it gets into like, I, would you pray with me? You know, it starts getting these subtle little manipulations and all that. And it's all because of this, this thing where she's so consumed with where she's at that she can't hear what God has to say. And God wants to speak to her. Some, some years ago, while we were going through a very difficult time, just even in finances personally and just as a church, and so I'm praying and I'm interceding, I'm fasting, I'm like, God, speak to me, I, I need, we need miracles. And I just felt the Lord just saying, Bruno, I, I really love you. And I was like, that's great, yeah, thank you. Uh, the bills, okay, help me, like what's, what's gonna happen here and the, here and here, and every day that I would go in prayer, all I would hear the Lord saying is that I love you. And my attitude, I didn't have a, the best attitude. I was just like, okay, thank you, Jesus. I understand that. But would you please talk to me about the money? Show me the money. You know, just, just help me out with this right now. And he just kept saying, I, I love you. Until it dawned on me, because it took me a little bit to, to kind of catch on to what he was trying to do. He's telling me what I needed to hear in the midst of what I was going through you want to just simply let me know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. I got this. Could you just, I'm, I'm teaching you something here to, to, to just trust me. Trust me. Because here's the thing. If we don't deal with those kind of things, we have a tendency to hear what we want to hear. We, we, we hear what we want to hear. and So what David does is that he begins to strengthen himself because he needs to break through the pain that he's feeling at the moment. He he needs to break through the the situation that he's faced at right now so that then he can finally, finally go, okay, now I'm ready to hear. Let's call the priest over and let's deal with this. Okay, God, if I go after them, should I do it or not? Are you going to give me success or not? Is this the path of victory? Where's the path on victory? Because now he's at a place where he can actually hear what God is wanting to do and what he's wanting to say. This is so, so important. Now, we don't have exactly what David did to strengthen himself, though I think it does, isn't that hard to imagine. I think he probably just started reminding himself of how God is good and his mercy is forever. I think he just started, started really worshiping God. Because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. One thing have I desired. This is the thing I like, Man, I, I just want to be in your presence, Lord. Even if an army comes against me and even if that army is my own men and they want to stone me and kill me. This is, this is the one thing that's on my heart right now, Lord. And I just want to reestablish and reconnect this. I, ju- I just want to see you behold your beauty. I just want to behold your power. I, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to let my heart fear when, when all these things are happening around me. I think he, he's, he's strengthening himself. Because he's, he's drawing the attention from where he's at and what he's feeling and putting it on, on God. I mean, is, isn't that the way that we should even begin our prayers, right? Our, our Father who is in heaven, we, we start putting our attention on him. Not, not, we don't start from where my need is. We start from who he is, and then that informs me and helps me have faith. And, and then I'm able to, to, to walk in relationship and hear even what he has to say. We need to learn to strengthen ourselves in that way. To begin to even say, like, Lord, I thank you. Even if I don't feel it right now, I thank you, Lord, that I am your son that I'm filled with your Holy Spirit, that he who unites himself with you, Jesus, is one spirit with you, like 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, and I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are in me, that you, you, you thought of me before the foundation of the world, that, that I, am, I am your masterpiece, that you have good works prepared before, and I'm gonna walk through them, Lord, that you, every dream and every desire that was in your heart before the foundation of the world, I'm gonna walk in that, Lord. I thank you that you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake lord you're not going to lead me off a cliff you're not going to lead me into a place that's of of death or, or pain and all that. no no you're, you're gonna lead me to, to a place that, that that is that is pastures that you're you're restoring my soul my soul lord I, I I thank you lord that you never leave me even if I can't feel you I thank you that you are here and lord i just i just want to thank you and i want to praise you that you are faithful if you've said it you're going to do it I have no idea how but I know who you are and so I know it's going to happen lord so I, I just begin to just just walk worship him. And see, isn't it interesting when we worship God, we have a tendency to feel his presence. Could it be that finally we're coming into church together and that we're just getting our attention off of all the problems. And for a moment, we're just simply focused on him and then we feel his presence. And then guess what? We can hear his voice. Whereas before we couldn't hear anything, now, now we can because our attention is placed on him. There's something of strength that's taking place in us that enables us to get above the situation that we're in, the pollution of the problem, the, the fog of war, if you want to even call it that, and get above that and actually hear what he has to say. So we strengthen ourselves in this and be able to do that. I, I just think it's interesting because we... You know, people say, well, well, I don't feel God's presence. Well, where's your attention at right now? What are you focused on? Some people are so focused on the shame and regret of the past that they can't even break through that to go even to what God has for them. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and repentance leads to life. Worldly sorrow leads to death. But if you're always consumed and that's all you can think of is just all these bad things, all these bad things and not who you are, that you're a new creation, a new creature in Christ and that the old has passed and the new has come, you'll never walk in the reality of those things. You'll never even have faith for those things because you're more aware of where you're at right now and even what the enemy is saying and in the situation and the circumstance, you've got to learn to break through that and strengthen yourself in the Lord. You can even speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues strengthens you. Then ask the Lord for interpretation. It could be give your own prophetic word. I I think it's interesting that you find even this pattern in the book of Ephesians in chapter three. It's a great prayer that Paul has. He's interceding for these these believers. And and notice what he says here. He goes that, that according to the riches of his glory... So this is immeasurable glory. You can't measure the riches of his glory, right? I mean, how how do you even measure that? Where do you even begin with that? That he may grant you to be strengthened. This is the same exact word that's used in the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. So if you were to read that, and you read this story in 1 Samuel chapter 30, that David strengthened himself in the Lord. This is the exact same word that's used there. That you be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, in your own spirit, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I always thought that kind of an odd prayer. I mean, isn't Jesus already in their hearts? Because he's writing to believers. It's not unbelievers. And why do they need to be strengthened in order for Christ to dwell in their lives by faith? Well, I believe you have the same principle that's here. To experience more of the presence of God, it's, it has to do with even where, 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 where your attention is at. He wants them to be so strengthened and so filled with the spirit that in the midst of the difficulty and the problems that they're facing, they realize that Christ is there and that Christ dwells in them, that he makes his home there. He's at home with them and that they experience that. Because it's one thing for me to say that you're filled with, you're you're a temple of the Spirit, right? It's one thing to say that individually, because Paul uses it individually as well as collectively, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's another thing for us to experience that. How can I experience that more in my life? Well, I need to be strengthened with power by the Spirit and my own spirit so I'm more aware of that reality than what I'm feeling at this moment or what I'm sensing at this moment, or what I'm seeing at this moment. And I can participate with that by by just simply strengthening myself in him. Let me me tell you, 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 the words that come out of your mouth determine the direction of your own life, right? So you could have a vision from heaven above and God speak to you, but if you're speaking in a way that's contrary to that, You're undoing everything that God wants to do in your life. What he invites us to do is to us, ourselves, strengthen ourselves in who he is. Why why are we so much more aware of the problems instead of the promises of God? Why Why are we more aware of the furnace of fire than he that's in with us in the middle of that fire? We're more aware of the storm. We're like, look how difficult this storm is and and more aware of that than than he that's in the boat with us. More aware of the, the lions that surround us than he that can silence and quiet those lions. We make big things of the problems that we're facing and God's inviting us to make big things of the promises that he's already given us. If I'm so down, just, just, just sinking in my own problems and in these, these, these stress and all that, and that's all I can hear, and that's all that consumes me, it's going to be very difficult to hear the voice of the Lord. It's not that he's not speaking, I just don't, I, I don't have the strength to go above where I'm at right now and really hear what he has to say. Most of the time in my own life, when, I've, when I find it hard to discern his voice, it's usually because I'm distracted by something else. I've stubbed my pinky toe against the table. And I'm more aware of that than the father that's trying to speak to me. So let, let, me, let me just give a, a few tips here on this. Uh, I, I just put this here, like grow, grow in, in health because this is something that's healthy. You know, healthy people, just even in your relationships, just healthy in your walk with the Lord, it's, 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 a, it's a big deal to be able to discern his voice. When you're trying to hear God's voice, even prophetically for somebody else through your hurt, you, you, you twist what God is trying to say. Part of health is even me taking responsibility for where, my, where I'm at right now. Where, where, where's my heart? Where's, where's, I mean, Paul says in Romans 12 that we have a zeal, that we'd be fervent in spirit to the point of boiling water in spirit. And he puts the responsibility on us to do that, not on somebody else. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who's, who's responsible for that? It's not me coming here and going, okay, transform my mind. I mean, yeah, you know, we, we, we help. And together we, we challenge each other and we make each other sharper and all that kind of thing. But, but I'm responsible for that that's part of health is taking responsibility for where i'm at even in the situations that i'm facing in that i'm facing the second thing is saturate yourself in the word of god man just speak it over everything and if you don't know any promises of god ask brother google you know just use it for something positive and get get, get the promises of god having to do with the subject and, and get it on your iPhone, write it out, do whatever it is that you have to do, but get it in you. I knew somebody that uh, they, they thought they could fix everything with um, WD-40, you know, you, you have a pain, pain, pain in your back, here, let me, let me spray that. That was the cure-all for everything, you know what I mean? Got a headache? Here, let me just rub it in. They'd walk by you without knowing and just, you know, subtly spray you, just that, that was like the cure-all for everything. Let me tell you, the word of God is the cure-all for everything. Speak it over yourself because that's what strengthens you. It's, it's interesting that we, we have so much access to the Word of God today than ever before. And yet, for the most part, we, we tend to be anemic. And many times when somebody's going through something, I'll say, well, well, what, what promise of God are you standing on? What is it that you're really, really holding on to? What is it that, 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 that you have your faith uh, uh, really, really... I'm trying to, I'm sorry, I'm thinking in Spanish and English at the same time, but you, you just have your target on that. Thank you, Fix it. fixated, fixated. All right, I'll use that. The third thing is just spend time in prayer and worship in his presence. These are very basic things. It's interesting that in Acts chapter 13 is while well, they were fasting and worshiping God that the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, separate Barnabas and and Paul, because I have something special for them to do, is in the context of worship. Because again, what does worship help me do in praise? It gets the attention off of me and places it on him. And now I can finally hear what he's wanted to say. It kind of reminds me of my son. Uh, One time he wanted to connect with me and I had this string of texts and something that I was dealing with the church and I'm, I'm there texting and, and my son's, you know, I'm trying to have these two conversations and it it, it doesn't work, right? Husbands understand that, right? The wife is asking and you, I'm pretty good at repeating the very last thing that my wife said, but she knows she has this discernment and knows I'm not really connecting to what she's saying. And so there's my son talking to me and he goes, he puts his hand over my phone and he goes that I I need you to connect with me, please. I want to connect with you. Could you look at me in, in the eyes? Could you, could you do that? And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, okay, yes. What is it? And now I can hear what he has to say. Is it interesting when we hear and give our attention to someone, it's a way of giving honor and it's a way of giving importance to them? You ever do that as a kid, like na-na-na, and you pretend like nobody's there? Can't hear you, you know, and they're talking, and they're like, I'm here, you know, and you're just like, pretend like you can't even hear them. When, when When you can focus on someone and you give your attention to them, it's a form of honoring that person. It's a form of expressing love. And finally, the fourth thing is just put the word in practice. It's not enough to hear what God said. Again, biblically speaking, if you hear something that God says, but you don't put it in practice, you didn't hear what he said. A lot of times you like to know a lot of things that's happening in the court of heaven, you know? I know a lot of stuff that's happening there. But you're not doing anything with that. You haven't really listened. You haven't, you haven't listened. Hearing God is with this intent to put into practice. I'll just end with one last, one last thing. I really like uh, George Mueller. I don't know if you've read any of his biographies and highly encourage him. One of the things that he said to discern the will of God, I want to say the promises of God are yes and amen. You use them and you fight with them. That's your life, okay? When you're trying to discern the will of God in a certain direction, one of the things that he says is put your heart in such a state that it's content with, I'm paraphrasing, with whatever the outcome is. Is it yes or is it no? Either way, Lord, I'm I'm cool. I I just want what you want. That in itself, 90% of the time will solve the problem of being able to even discern his voice. Because again, we tend to hear what we want to hear. It's like, God, what do you want from me? It's, it's this, right? Is this what, yeah, is this it right here? Yeah, okay. If, if it is, let somebody come through that door. Okay, that, that's it, right? Okay, yep, yep, there it is. Okay, I got the comfort. You know? We tend to hear how we want to hear to get what we want to get. And God, God doesn't play with that. He doesn't, he doesn't like that. As I strengthen myself, and again, I'm responsible for this, then I have an ability now to be able to hear his voice in greater measure. And I just want to say, if you know Jesus, you can hear his voice. We're all learning and growing, but you have the ability to do that. Being born again, you have the ability to hear his voice. Amen. And the second thing I just wanna say is that when God speaks to you, he's, he's a good father. He's, he speaks to us as a father. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, Go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.